and welcome to the SBP podcast, the voice of mobile film. I'm your host, Susie Botello, and this is episode 29. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the SBP podcast. We are going back to Australia for this episode to discuss film in a way that we have not really touched on in our podcast. Melissa Bertoni participated in our film festival in 2017 and also our last film festival in April of 2018. She submitted an experimental avant-garde short film and shot her film using an iPhone 6. The film was titled In My Mind. We're going to talk with her right now about why an artistic filmmaker may find their smartphone as the perfect camera for such films. Are you a fan of mobile film and have been following our film festival and other programs? Would you like to be a part of that? You don't have to be a mobile filmmaker to join us as a brand ambassador. If you're passionate and you get excited about what mobile filmmaking can do for storytellers around the world, then we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us using our contact form on the film festival website and be sure to let us know that you'd like to be a brand ambassador. We're getting close to announcing the new rules and we're opening submissions for next year's International Mobile Film Festival in San Diego, 2019. You may want to mark the June 19th date on your calendar. Details are coming to the website at www.internationalmobilefilmfestival.com. Well, I hope you guys are all doing fantastic and you are ready to listen to our guest. Let's take a trip halfway around the globe and talk with Melissa right now. Everybody, I'm here with Melissa Bratoni from. Did I pronounce your name right? Yeah, that's correct. Great. Uh, well, you are in. You're in the Sydney area in Australia. Am I correct? Yeah, in Sydney. Yeah. Out in the suburbs. Out in the suburbs, uh, where freaky things happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Melissa has been submitting films to our film festival uh, for a couple years now. And um, her films are very unique, very interesting, and um, and uh, experimental. And I don't know if you would call it that, Melissa, but I call them a bit of um, like abstract art in film. I would definitely classify my work as experimental. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, I wanted to talk to um, to you, but uh, have a few things to go over. But before we do that. I would just like for you to introduce yourself to our guests on who you are um, and um, and what brought you to making movies with your phone. Well, my name is Melissa Bertoni, as you've already introduced me. Um, so predominantly in the film industry, I started my career as an actor maybe about three or so years ago. And so whilst pursuing you know, an acting career, you do realize pretty quickly that 
you can't just sort of sit around and, and wait on other people for things to happen. So I was always of the mind that I would like to make my own content. I guess for a while it, it, it wasn't quite clear to me what sort of pathway I should take. But um, I think I was sort of searching for other avenues to be involved in apart from just purely acting. And so, you know, trolling social media sites, I came across via Twitter um, this particular smartphone festival, uh, which is based in my town in Sydney called the Smartphone Flickfest. And so they were looking for... I guess an intern you could say or someone that could help them out with design work and graphic design happened to be a bit of my previous profession. So approaching them, um, that came into fruition and whilst I was interacting with the ladies from that festival, my curiosity about smartphone filmmaking peaked quite a lot and I thought, well, perhaps this could be a really good way that I can try my hand at making my own content and making a short film. That that actually never happens, right? Um, that actually happens uh, with uh, uh, people that I've met as well where uh, they've met me here in San Diego and, and then I sort of just start talking about this and they start looking at things and seeing the movies and uh, they get inspired and I'm, and I'm thinking that's what happened to you, but you came... Your background was already, I mean, it was in graphics and you started as an intern, uh, but you, this wasn't the first film that you made, right? Uh, not the one that you currently would have screened for this year's festival. I, I had made one uh, in the previous year, which was uh, 2016. And, and yeah, tell me, tell that, me a bit about that one. Yeah, that particular one meshes of the... Um, uh, sorry, Meshes of an Autumn Afternoon, um, was inspired by uh, an actual short experimental film which was made in the 40s called Meshes of the Afternoon. And um, my partner and collaborator, Michael Curry, whom we both met while studying our sort of design studies, uh, he was shown that film whilst he was studying and mentioned it to me and showed me it and said, oh, this is a really great film and he was really interested in it and wanted to share his intrigue in it with me. And so as soon as I saw it, I, I fell in love with it because I think it's a really special film and it shows a lot of experimentation and forward thinking for its time. And we both felt connected to it and thought, oh, how, how nice would it be if we could, you know, take this and, and make something very similar ourselves. So we both used it as an experimentation for our first film idea. Yeah, and that film, that was the, the film that where I met you, basically, mm -hmm. even though we didn't meet in person, but that was the first time that I heard about you outside of SF3 um, flick, uh, Smartphone Flickfest. And um, that was really, a, a, it was a little scary uh, of a film, you know, mm. gave, gave, gave me a few gasps. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the intention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and, and it's, it's got a, it's got a, you know, like this dark, a lot of shadows, you know, uh, very kind of avant-garde type or film noir or something like that to that. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've heard a few people mention it's very avant-garde. 
and yeah, definitely. Maybe not so much the film noir, I would I would think, but definitely avant-garde, and it was meant to be an artistic piece for sure. Yeah, and you said you got the idea from the film that was uh, made in the 40s, right? Yes, 1943, Meshes of the Afternoon. It was uh, made by a husband and wife team, Maya Derren and her husband, Alexander Hammond. And did they shoot it in, uh, and obviously they shot it in film, but uh, w were they experimenting with, I mean, was Super 8 even around at that time, or was that? I honestly do not know which type of uh, film stock they would have used back then. I have, I don't think it's ever really come across in my, my research or looking into it deeper. That's, yeah, it hasn't, unless it's probably slipped, um, you know, me taking in the information, but. It definitely was on film. Yeah. But yeah. Were, they, were they artists or filmmakers? I'm just uh, curious I, now. <laughs> I think they're predominantly filmmakers. I know Maya had done a few other uh, short films, and they're all quite of that similar sort of vein. Hmm. And I think they've all been packaged together as, and they're sort of known as um, her experimental films or something like that. It's got a particular title which packages quite a few of her short films together. And um, I know, uh, I think they might be on YouTube. I know definitely the one that I took from is on YouTube. And I think that one in particular, it's it's preserved by um, one of the American film bodies as, as a particular strong example of something that should be archived and retained for its, its beauty and its um, experimentation, its forward thinking. Because a lot of the times back then that wasn't really something that was done. It's very surreal. And she wasn't afraid to sort of go down that pathway. And what attracted you to that to that particular film to, to make? Because uh, you said this was the, the other film that you made, but it, was this the only film that you've ever made? At the time it was, yeah. So you At the time, but... So you've made other films before that one, or? Oh no no no, not before it. Afterwards. Okay. So this was actually your first film all the way around, Correct. right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So what attracted you to this film so that your first film ever would be a sort of, not, not a recreation or a reenactment, but um, just sort of based on that film? Yeah, I really liked the aesthetic of it. It, it evokes a particular mood, a curiosity. And it sort of challenges you as a viewer, and I really like that in films because um, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing I'm not a huge fan of the sort of stock standard, you know, big budget films that you tend to see so much of nowadays. And I'm, I'm really digging in deeper, trying to find out more artistic sort of films that aren't your conventional type of medium. And this certainly fit the bill. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, when um, when I saw your your second film, the one that you submitted to this last film festival last month, um, I considered, now, I would think, because these are your first two films, that this is, this is like your, your favorite genre or maybe a theme that you're going to be working with. Are you planning on making more films? Yes, I, I have written something, and again, as you just mentioned, it is in a similar sort of theme to my previous two. I think 
when I started making the second one in my mind, um, it sort of dawned on me that I was making potentially a sort of a trilogy of sorts. Not only because though I had chosen to film them on a smartphone, but also the themes were very similar. And that was purely an accidental thing, but obviously something that's deep within my subconscious that I really feel attracted to that kind of imagery and uh, the storyline as well. I really like to explore with those ideas. Well, uh, tell me more about that, about what you, if you don't mind, uh, maybe share with our listeners who may kind of feel like maybe they they have some sort of an attraction to something that's not so mainstream and they're not sure if they should, you know, share that with the world um, in a public way, you know, through... Because I, I think that um, mobile filmmaking just gives everybody the, the power to basically experiment. Um, and so it's ideal for experimental films. Um, yeah. So if you don't mind sharing some of that, that would be great. Well, that's exactly why I also would classify my work as experimental because I've never been to a film school. So I've never you know, had formal training into how to make films. So... I am experimenting. I am, you know, I've got ideas and I I write them down and then I, I basically get out there and I, I shoot what I, I came up with. So purely to me that is very experimental. And also in in saying that with the style and, and then the final product turns out to be quite experimental because it's not your sort of uh, standard sort of material that you would see frequently. Um and, and finding films, and I think oh, you, you were saying you're worried if people should be concerned about making such content because they might not have an audience. Is that what you mean? Well, yeah, I mean, um, most people, you know, it's kind of like just art in general um, where some art is more private, you know. Yeah. Um, some artists are more willing to publicize their art than others. And I'm I'm realizing it's sort of the it may be the sort of same scenario I guess with uh, with film because you can experiment but that doesn't mean you always have to publicize your experiments you know what I'm saying especially when you're not working with a big crew and a lot of actors and people that you owe that to you know mm-hmm. well I I certainly didn't work with a big crew it was just two of us on yeah. both the films. And I think it would come down to a personal choice. I mean, in the end, if, if you're, you're proud of what you made, are you willing to try and share it out with people or just a small group to start off with to see how they react to it or how they perceive it? And then I guess if, if that turns out to be positive and you're still not sure you can, you know, there's festivals like yours out there that do promote the platform um, potentially to show films like this and other genres as well. Um, so it, you know, the opportunity is out there if you wish to, to try and, and put your work out there and see how it goes. I mean, I, I had quite a few various festivals that showed interest in it, which was quite nice. It was surprising. I obviously wasn't expecting anything, but it certainly was a, a joyful experience to be a part of. Yeah. Well, I hope I hope that you will keep submitting your films to our film festival. Um, apparently, a lot of people from Australia tend to win in our film festivals. Yeah. So I've seen. 
<laughs> I have no idea why, but they do. Uh, my idea is that for some reason you guys just are ruling it when it comes to mobile filmmaking, um, mm. mainly on the story, uh, which is something that that um, I I'm fascinated with because that's the whole point. Um, which sometimes people forget. You start looking at the toys and and all that, which toys are what I call the tools because they're very attractive, you know, uh, and you almost become a little kid at the store when you start seeing these tools. And uh, so I call them toys, but uh, I'm not trying to minimize, uh, you know, for some people they're very important, but for me the most important part is the story. And, um, and that's one of the reasons why I invited you to be in our podcast. You're definitely a great storyteller and, um, and the way that you express yourself through your films is really unique. And, um, you know, I, I, as you know, when we're selecting the films, when I'm selecting the films for the film festival, um, some people would think that maybe I'm just selecting films that are very high quality and, um, maybe, you know, I'm looking for the Hollywood cinematic film, but I actually like the diversity and the choices of the films that we present together because they're all different, but they're yeah. all good in their own way. And I'm hoping to attract not so much the mainstream, but people who can appreciate that, you know? Definitely. I'm so glad you mentioned um, how you perceive the story to be such a, a, a crucial aspect because that's one of the main things that even attracted me to smartphone filmmaking. Um, well, obviously one of the big things is I, I didn't have any proper camera sort of equipment to undertake uh, projects and I thought, well, you know, you smartphone, you've got it with you. Um, it's so convenient and for me, a story is a huge part. It shouldn't really matter what kind of thing you shoot, you choose to shoot with, but if I, I'm a firm believer that if you've got an, a good solid idea, it'll come through no matter what you film it on. No, oh, yeah, well, well, definitely it will. Um, and of course, it takes more than just shooting stuff with mm-hmm. your camera, regardless of what camera it is. You also have to have that. Uh, it it does come down to it's a it's a mix. It's a science, you know, but it's also an art, and I think that's what makes film so unique in in that way don't you think yes very much so um so speaking about toys (laughs) Mm. um i'm sure some of our listeners are a little curious uh about how you made this film possible because we are going to share the film the the video in um you know in the article that i write uh on our blog so in my mind, do you want me yeah. to talk? Yeah. So it was filmed on my iPhone 6, which I still have. It's still going strong. <laughs> um, uh, in terms of equipment that I would have used on set, whether it be the, any of the outdoor shoots I did or inside, all I had really was a, a tripod and the, a special sort of phone mount which you connect on top of the tripod, which then holds your phone. And that is really all that I had to shoot with. I didn't really need anything else. The lighting that I had in inside the home was sufficient enough. So I tested it to see how it would turn out on camera. And it, it was fine for what I wanted it because I, I wanted to show that it was a nighttime scene. 
So I didn't want it to, you know, overcrowd it with extra lighting. And the quality was so good. Like I, I, I would have thought being a night video, it, it potentially could have been a bit grainy and, you know, not so clear, but I was very, very pleased with the result. And so that's how we decided to, to shoot it because we didn't need anything extra. Were you on the settings on the phone? Were you shooting? Because the iPhone 6 has several options. You can shoot in, you know, 1080 or you can shoot in 4K, right? Mm. Uh, I'm not sure about the 4K option, but I didn't really fiddle with much of the settings. I, As simple as it is to open the video camera and select the video setting and hit record, that's what I did. Okay, that's, that's great. Yeah, it, it definitely was... Um, high, you know, the resolution was great and it did look fine on a big screen. So, um, so basically out of the box, whatever the settings are, right? <laughs> yes. Yep. I didn't fiddle with any of that. I'm not very techni technically minded when it comes to that area. So that's why I had my collaboration with, um, my partner, Michael, he, he understands all the post-production. Yeah, and speak uh, a little bit. So you, obviously you didn't use any apps to, to film, but you had to use something to edit, and I'm not sure yes. if it was done on the phone or if it was done on, on a computer or or what he it used. Was, it was done on a computer, so he, he has his own um, workstation because he, he works in visual effects himself, so he's got uh, quite a nice, powerful setup to be able to withstand um, manipulating films and and all that area of work that he does so in terms of editing uh he would have used premiere pro if you know yeah. what that is it's an adobe program um if there was a bit of uh, visual effects he would have used um one of the industry standard um software called uh, nuke hmm. so anyone in that industry would be familiar with it but anyone who isn't familiar with it probably doesn't know what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I actually, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's something that's, um, you know, uh, I work with Max for the most yeah. part, so I'm not sure. I am familiar with, uh, a, you know, Premiere. Uh, I'm familiar with, I used Avid back when I was in college and I hated it. <laughs> um, and I've used and I used iMovie, uh, Final Cut Pro, and um, I forgot the other one uh, that I've used. There, there's a few. It doesn't really matter. Again, it's kind of like what you said too. It's about the story. Once you get in there, they all have a timeline, and you can sort of structure your film that way. Yeah. Well, and I, I've obviously utilized these tools because I know there I, I have access to them. So. You know, mm -hmm. certain ideas I know that I can play then to create the sort of look and ideas I have based on the tools I have. So I know I have access to Nuke. I know what it can do, what my partner's uh, talents are able to you know, produce. So that's why I decided to do certain forms of imagery in the film that would allow me to do that. Yeah, definitely. And now, so you used your iPhone 6 for this film, but the year before you used a Google phone, right? Yeah, uh, it was actually my partner's phone. He had a Google Nexus um, cool. X or something. I'm not quite sure what they called. Google Nexus, um, I think there's something else part of that as well. I well, don't recall its name well, yeah, entirely. That, that's fine. Uh, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't an iPhone. 
Um, And so it, but you know, the funny thing is like, you could have told me you used the same phone and I wouldn't have noticed the difference because both of the films looked great and they both had that theme that you, that you use with the shadows and the, you know, avant-garde. Right. So, so it, to me, I find that really interesting because, um, you know, there's usually uh, a bit of a separation between, you know, the Androids and the iOS phones, you know, and um, I didn't really see any visually. Neither did I. <laughs> yeah. So I think no, that's... Looks... I, I have to say, I was you know, so impressed with um, the result of what we did, you know, on both phones, both films. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I think that's... Really that's definitely something to point out to our listeners who, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> we have this thing going on with the two winners um, of this year's film festival, who was both from Australia, um, uh, the Battle of the Phones, and uh, there's a argument about which one is best, but it's all in fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and so... Um, you know, I think for our listeners, if they've been listening to our podcast or anything like that, you know, this is an interesting uh, thing to, to take note on that when it when it's all over with, um, yeah. there really isn't any difference. And, and I think your films are a perfect way to um, show that. Um, are you... Um, uh, okay, like your film uh meshes of autumn afternoon mm-hmm. of an atom off i'm sorry i'm like blah, blah, blah. um it <laughs> meshes of an meshes autumn of my, my 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 words <laughs> <laughs> um if there's uh if there's a possibility that i can show i can link both of the films to to our listeners then they can they can see for themselves of course okay that sounds great so you guys are all going to get a good show um so now um you did you did you did your film and everything but what is uh what are you where where else is your film showing or or have they uh been uh well both of them i guess yep so we'll start off with um uh predominantly the, one of the main reasons I made them for was the smartphone flick fest where I'm from. So the first film ended up being uh, shortlisted. So that was in the top 20. So it wasn't shown at the festival. Mm. I don't recall, but they did um, upload it to their own sort of YouTube channel and that sort of thing. However, it did screen. Uh, now this was really fun. Um, the inaugural uh, short suite film festival, which uh, started when was it now? I think it was early last year. I could be wrong. I um, think so, because I think I remember um, uh, Angela, Angela Blake from yeah. the one of the founders of, of SF3, uh, trying to give credit where credit is due, <laughs> um, where I remember her promoting that. Was that part of um, the other film festival? or? So normally Short and Sweet is a theater festival. And it's uh, it's got several locations around the world, but they branched out into short film. Hmm. So that was the very first year that they had their um, screenings, and and Meshes of an Autumn Afternoon actually did uh, was shortlisted there, and it was screened in one of the various heats they had before the finals. 
So that was really cool because I, I actually went and attended as an audience member. And I'll tell you what, it's something really surreal to be in an audience watching your film and getting to see people's reactions to it. It's really special and there's not much else that can get better than that when you're a filmmaker. I believe you so much that that's probably one of the reasons I've been trying to pressure you a little bit to, to come to the film festival here in San Diego. I wanted to come this year so bad, but I had um, a new day job that I've started working in and it unfortunately got in the way, but I will come. <laughs> I, 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 well, I, just keep <laughs> submitting films and one of these times you'll make it. <laughs> so that's I good. Hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it, it really is. That's uh, one of the highlights for most of the filmmakers is especially... Well, actually, I shouldn't say if it's their first time. Of course, it's always special the first time. But mm. um, it, that feeling that it, it doesn't really go away. I mean, it, any any, and as a matter of fact, it could be the same film. You're watching it in different theaters or in, with different audiences, and it's always pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, have you worked in... I was reading your... Um, your biography, I guess, on on Film Freeway. Um, and it had a, a really interesting background on you. As a matter of fact, that one of the things I I noticed was that you're, you've got a bachelor's in media communications. Yes. Um, I have a degree in media communication. It's not a bachelor. But mm -hmm. uh, I think it's funny because we're on two two ends of this hemisphere <laughs> in the mm -hmm. in the world and we happen to have that in common uh, but in um but you said you did you didn't study film though right no I, well when i did the bachelor of media communications yeah there were maybe a couple of units which um sort of dabbled in that world but not so much that you would actually go and learn about proper film studies like a lot of filmmakers do yeah so I'll explain a little bit there was a one particular unit which I really excelled in and enjoyed so much which was script writing so that's how I learnt um the format of writing a script and you know the study of creating um stories and transcribing off watching footage as well so that was an important part of being an actor as well which helped me a lot if I ever needed to transcribe material out then I know the correct format and there was another particular unit I did which was um, very visual storytelling and I, I had to create like a small video which turned out to be like a bit of an animation um, but so apart from a couple of little units like that I wouldn't say that I've really studied filmmaking did you did it include um, journalism in any way or or um, not in what I did we we did have the option to branch out into that field if you wanted to but I didn't my none of my units really covered journalism it was a predominantly theory based so communication theory um, things to do with media and globalization not particularly practical if you want to call it that way yeah no it's just I'm really I find it really interesting because it's it's exactly well outside of the plural sense you know media communications uh in mind um they they did touch up of course in in the global media but the history of media yeah. 
um, it really it really did. We were, it was mandatory that you take um, units and courses on in journalism. In uh, in media, we had media announcing and, and media writing classes as well, which showed even how to write uh, scripts for games for gaming as well. Um, and then yeah, and then we also had you know video, uh, which was my my major on was was on video. Um, but I didn't get uh, well. There was some film, you know, with that. But my real experience with film was more, um, you know, sort of hands-on. I stumbled into it. Uh, my thing was more on video. But I just, I just found that pretty cool, you know, that we have that in common. We could probably talk for hours, but, but we won't now for that. But still, <laughs> it's another time for that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but then you, you're, you vote. It says here something about these uh, um, uh, Bertha in the life of. Uh, Baldrick and uh, oh yeah that's yeah. Um, some acting roles that I've had in short films yeah so that's what I wanted to bring up so you because you not only wrote and directed uh, these films but you also were the well you were the protagonist in the films you were you're an actor right uh, in the life of Baldrick um, I wasn't a writer well, or director in that I was an actor yeah, I meant on the on the mobile films. Oh right, yes. Yeah. yeah, no, I definitely wrote them and directed them as well as as you said the protagonist. It can be a bit of a challenging mix, but I think when you're working on such a small project, it it would make it a lot easier than if it was a much larger scale undertaking. Yeah, and you were also shooting, right? Well, yeah, I would set up um basically the shot. Um as best as I could, and maybe get my partner to stand in my place just to sort of get the right angle or, you know, that sort of thing. And then I would obviously step in my position and then he would then take over in terms of um, operating the camera. So I want to ask you about the mask in um, in the film, the, the one from last year. Is in there, my mind. Is, yes. Is there a, a story behind that mask? Because it was very... Uh, the one that you see a few flashes, glimpses of. Yeah, the creepy one. <laughs> the one with all the like the tentacles and that yes. sort of thing. Yeah. So that's my partner's um, passion, a particular horror creature called Cthulhu, and um, he he his family is quite heavily involved in um, costuming for various. Um, uh, for example, like Star Wars is one of their biggest ones they're involved in. But he he's, has a really strong fascination with this horror creature, which was um, written from an old horror writer called H.P. Lovecraft. And he's got like a, an actual leather mask of this creature, which he's dressed up at special conventions before. And it's been quite a hit with the people who know what he is, you know. So because it is a, a horror creature and again, utilizing what I have on hand, I thought, yeah, I wouldn't mind having a bit of this in my film because it, it, it can be a symbol of um, basically this particular creature, it, it, it sort of comes into your dreams and, and nightmares and, and that sort of fed through with the, the idea of what the film was about. So I thought it suited that quite nicely. 
Wow, that's pretty cool. You know, uh, you might want to mention to him that we have a cosplay category now. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we had, you mentioned Star Wars. We had, um, it's one of the things that, uh, that you know, I, I like doing the red carpet and making a big show out of the red carpet. Mm-hmm. And the last couple of years, we had uh, a group of cosplayers. They're they're pretty famous around um, Southern California, uh, and especially at conventions. And they do panels and things like that. They're called the uh, Star Wars Steampunk Universe. Mm, I've, I've seen the photos. They look great. Yeah. And so um, I've always had a fascination with not getting dressed. I mean, when I was little, you know, I loved, you know, costumes and things like that, like most kids. Um, But, uh, you know, as now, my fascination with it is more as as a fan, basically, not so much a participant in it. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I really love it. I mean, it's it's so awesome. And so um, I always wanted to have you know cosplayers because there's stories behind those costumes like uh the mask and and their costumes you know and i thought it would be great you know to have a category i was just trying to i I kept you know pushing it and and you know telling them about it Uh, not just these these guys but all cosplayers uh at comic con and everything and i thought well you know maybe I'll just have to do what I did with the film festival in the beginning and, and just create that um, that dare. I dare you to make a cosplay movie type thing. So yeah. I created a category specially for that. And I'm hoping to get, uh, starting this next year, some films with that category because if I ever do go to Comic-Con to do another uh, panel, again, for mobile filmmaking, I can actually show you know that film it would be fitting certainly would attract a bit of attention at you know being san diego comic-con and your festivals yeah definitely yeah so so yeah so um so i just wanted you to i i'm i just thought the mask was really creepy and i had no idea that it had but that's why i asked because i know there's a story behind everything (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's its story (laughs) yeah that's pretty cool so on your you you were saying on your next film it's probably going to be a, around this theme, huh? Well, yeah, it seems like it's going down that way. Um, as I said, uh, I do particularly like the idea of this sort of being a trilogy, um, an accidental sort of trilogy. And I thought, but this obviously last film won't be as accidental as what the first and second one were, I guess, because I want to sort of tie them in in a way that they, they're all their own separate films, but if you watch them collectively, you can see that, you know, it is maybe a bit of a package in that sort of sense because of the similar themes or, or the artistic sense of it as well. That's, that's and, and the fact that they're all shot on smartphones too. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Well, so you're a completely mobile filmmaker then, right? I am. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't um, ever say that I wouldn't ever want to try anything else, but I'm definitely <laughs> wholeheartedly love filming on a smartphone. It's it's so convenient. It's easy. I mean, there was one of the, the scenes in the film in my mind where I wasn't completely prepared for anything, but I was out, you know, during a job interview somewhere 
just past the city in Sydney and I happened to be close to some really lovely bushland and I had spare time. So I, I went through, you know, a bit walking through the bush and I thought, wow, this, this place looks amazing. And, you know, I just get out my phone and I start recording things. And why not? You're there, you, you've come across something spontaneous or, you know, it piques my interest. So I thought, why not start filming? And I'm sure I'll use this down the track. And then I inputted it in my film. I love it. That's so perfect. There's actually some people that would actually just go around filming little things and then go back and try and create a story from the random things that they filmed yeah. that they find I'm interesting. I'm all for it. It's probably one of the most creative, ingenious ways you can go about creating a story because then you've got all these various pieces and then it challenges you to try and make something of it and, and put them all together so it could make some sort of sense to you and other people. Yeah, it's kind of like art. You know, you've got a white piece of paper or canvas or whatever it is, and then you have these um, crayons, pencils, uh, paints, all in different colors, and you're like, well, let's let's see what we can do with this, you know, um, and just sort of put it together. Um, yeah. it's It's pretty fascinating. I've um, always considered myself quite a creative, artistic sort of centered person, but I haven't been very successful in many other areas. But now filmmaking seems to be something that's that's really happening for me. So it's it's nice to see. I actually think, um, well, I believe every human being on Earth is naturally a storyteller. You know, from the time we be, begin to learn how to speak, uh, language, right? Um, and um, and I really believe that some of us who are more artistic um, and, you know, and, and are really good at storytelling and have a lot of, uh, want to express some of these stories a lot, end up making films. You know, they mm. have this desire. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't have the opportunity, haven't had should say the opportunity to do that before because they didn't have access to a way of experimenting with that mm-hmm. but, but now, now they can yeah and now they can yeah and so it's great that you were able to you know everything is connected it's 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 not by chance that you met sf3 and and were an intern there it was your you were meant to go that way um mm-hmm. And, and explore that. And now that you've had the chance to, to just do it and just try it out, um, that is actually your gift, basically. That's your way, I think. And it doesn't matter whether you do it with a phone or not, at, you know, after now. It's now that, but it's because of the phone being so accessible that you had an opportunity to experiment with filmmaking. Yes, that's true. So you rock, Melissa. so do you (laughs) well um so speaking of rock you want to play a little game (laughs) okay let's go for it (laughs) all right so uh i'm going to give you 20 seconds uh and i know that doesn't seem like a lot of time but it's almost a whole commercial you guys (laughs) (laughs) um and you know after talking with you and and knowing where your tastes are with films, I I would like for you. I think it would be very beneficial to myself and our listeners to hear you know about uh, some of these. Well, some of your favorite films. Now that I know that you're not so mainstream on your on what you like as films, uh, that maybe you can 
share some of those with us within 20 seconds. <laughs> and um, some of my favorite films in 20 seconds. Yeah. And, you know, at least just give us the titles and then yep. uh, we can go searching for them and, and, and dive into your world a little bit. Okay. All right. So yes. are you ready? Yes. Get set and go. Uh, Mulholland Drive by David Lynch. Um, a Mare, which is a, a film by Helen Catet and Bruno Forsani. Uh, Suspiria by Dario Argento. Um, Pulp Fiction, Quentin Tarantino. One of my all-time favorites, Titanic. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, at least you got your old favorite in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least I mentioned a lot of the sort of more artsy ones that people can dive into and have a look. Which is your favorite scene from Pulp Fiction, by the way? Mm, The car scene where um, Vincent, played by uh, John Travolta, accidentally shoots the the passenger in the back seat. We do have a lot in common. (laughs) Yep. That's actually exactly what I... It's so funny because he just like it, there's it's no nonchalant, so nonchalant like blah 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 boom and there yeah. this guy just gets you know it's just, perfect yeah it's just like and they're just like oh crap now how are we gonna deal with that I mean exactly. it's just so awesome <laughs> yeah yeah I like the dark humor yeah definitely and, yeah. and it's realistic in in so many ways because he was just playing around with the gun type thing and then it just goes yeah. off and just shoots the guy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my favorite. So we're both morbid. So there. Yes. <laughs> Another thing we have in common. Yeah, right? Which is a good thing to have in common with most people, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and what was the other one? Mulholland Drive? That's another oh. one. I think somebody else pointed that in one of our games. Uh-huh. I can't remember who it was. I may have been, it may have been Francesca uh, Jago. If she's listening, she can message me and say, no, that was not me uh, no. or vice versa. But I think it was her that mentioned that one too. What did you like about uh, that one? The the mood it created. And I really like nonlinear structure. So that really piqued my interest and how it always had this sort of underlying sense that something was really not right and you wanted to try and uncover what that could potentially be. So it kept you on edge the whole way. I really loved that about it. And aesthetically, it looks really something special, you know? Yeah, it's sort of a dreamy and uh, yes. surreal, and then, but it's captivating. And that's, yeah. that's actually probably one of the it, it did win awards um and yeah well they call it the best um film of the 21st century don't they wow i didn't know that but yeah wow amazing it should be <laughs> um and what was the other one uh, another recent one that i've fallen in love with is suspiria by dario argento it's a it's it's a genre they call giallo, which um, preceded the typical American slasher horror films. Mm. So it is a horror film. It, it it is a bit of a slasher. That is sort of the basis of them. But the thing that really um, sets giallo films apart is their really um, cinematic 
bright colours, artistic compositions, which many other horror films don't really focus on. Hmm. So that's something. I'm I'm only I've really only just scratched the surface. I'm slowly going to start to dig deeper and actually watch a lot of other material from these directors and, and, and genres just to educate myself better and be further inspired. Well, yeah, I mean, you're not, um, as filmmakers, um, you're not trying to copy other films, but you are definitely going to uh, study them mm. so that you can, um, you know, sort of recreate the same effects mm -hmm. um, in some of your, your films as well. That's just natural. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a good idea. Um, that's fantastic. Well, hey, um, where can people... Well, before I do that, before I start having you name your Twitter or whatever, um, why don't you share with our filmmakers maybe something, maybe something that you would say to them, uh, you know, just if... I could give you some advice about mobile filmmaking. This would be what I would tell you. Well, if you own a mobile that, you know, it allows you to put something down. Um, I think one of the, you know, so you've got that covered. The next major step is coming up with a story or, or something that you wish to, to make. Because then, you know, that's sort of the next big step. Yeah, I'm trying to, to find get... A story. I'm trying to get people to, to, I mean, yes, we all have a phone. Most likely it's got a camera. Now forget about it for a minute and think about your story and then remember that you've got this great story. Go there, dive all the way in, and then go, hey, I can turn that story into live, you know, uh, make it alive by using my camera phone to mm -hmm. make a film out of it. You know, one of the things that helped me out a lot that I realized, um, if you're so bombarded by the, the thought of, oh, what could I possibly, you know, talk about or, or make a film about, I think one of the easiest ways to try and narrow that down or figure it out is to look within yourself and, and work out what your true passions are, what what makes you tick. And, and generally, if you can find something within you that you know you are so wholeheartedly committed to and passionate about, it'll show, it'll demonstrate in what you make. Yeah, no, you're you're right there. And there's a lot of personal stories that we can share. We can all share personal stories without getting personal. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Like uh, you can share a story about something that happened to you without portraying it as something that happened to you, you know, and sort of twisting it and making it about somebody else. But then... It will have, because it's yours, you know, it will have, that connection will, will show through, you know, the reality of it. Or you can... Use your... Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, uh, go ahead and say that. Oh, basically, use your artistic license. As you just said, if you wanted to, to touch on something personal, but you can always tweak it to make it seem like it's not quite about you or not quite your story. But, you know, surely it will resonate with many other people that could have gone through what you have or experienced similar, you know, occurrences and, and things like that. It's bound to find an audience somewhere. 
Yeah, I like how you put it better, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you used the word resonate, which is the, the one that I missed, too. <laughs> um, yeah, and, or, you know, if, if you just want to just not even go there, you know, um, then you can just do the what if thing, you know, like, what if this happened? What if that, what if, what if this that happened today in the supermarket would have happened in this other world or at, at another time? I mean, there's so many ways to get creative with stories. Um, I could probably come up with 60 stories within five minutes if I really put my mind to it just because <laughs> I'm so random <laughs> like that. Um, but I know everybody can really do that. You just have to think about that and then don't worry that you're thinking about making a film. Just just do that game, you know, dive into yourself and then play the what if game and then maybe connect even those two. What if this sort of thing was to happen in a future world that doesn't exist and this was me, you know, or something, you know, me last year. Um, there's a lot of things you can do. Um, uh, it was amazing talking to you. Wow, I've, I've learned quite a few things from you um, and I really enjoyed this and for sure we'll have to talk uh, more sometime uh, about what we have in common too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty, you're pretty awesome. I'd be curious to find out what else there potentially is there. <laughs> yeah, there is. I mean, we were, I mean, I just think it's pretty, pretty awesome that, you know, Pulp Fiction, we both have the same scene in common. <laughs> yeah. That's our favorite. That says something right there. <laughs> um, and so why don't you share with our listeners, um, where they can, I mean, we'll have links for them on yep. the notes and, you know, we'll add some things to the article, but at least so the ones that don't feel like reading tonight or today or wherever they're listening, that they can just um, sort of remember. So you can follow me on social media like uh, Twitter, Instagram. I've got my handle is at Melissa Bertoni. Um, I also have like a dedicated Facebook page, which I predominantly share acting related information and, and anything sort of film industry related. Uh, they're the three main ones I use. Um, what else is there? Use your I website? Have web I have a website. Yeah, it's melissabrittoni.com. And uh, how do you spell Brittoni for them? Yeah, it's B-R-A-T-T-O-N-I. Cool. And uh, you also said you have an IMDb? Yes, I have an IMDb. <laughs> so... Um, do they just Google I, that or? Yeah, you just Google uh, my name and it should come up. Um, otherwise, I don't know what like the specific uh, address for it is because I know they're, they're a bit. Yeah, they usually do like, a series of numbers or something like that. It's like crazy. Yeah. Actually, I do have one of those vanity URLs is what they're called. IMDB me. Um, oh. And then I think it's like a forward slash and then it's my name, Melissa Bertoni. Cool. And if not, Google is a good friend to have sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening, listeners. Get a, get a, get in touch with Melissa if you have more questions. Is that okay to say? Of course. <laughs> yeah. And and do follow her. Obviously, she's really interesting. And um, she's, uh, who knows, maybe if you come to our film festival next year, maybe you'll get to meet her in person. Hmm. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> you never know it's another story <laughs> <laughs> alright bye guys bye.